0: Good afternoon, good evening, Sussex coordination Nation, happy Palm Sunday, Easter is here. Wow,
1: what a week it has been. It has been pretty intense. It has been, well, busy as always, but uh, good, good things. Wow, uh, Spring is sprung. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of pollen. But how are you guys
0: doing? What are you guys doing for Easter? What are you guys doing today for Palm Sunday?
1: Uh, today I would just, I have, I have yet to eat. So actually I'm quite starving. So usually this is something that George would bring up, but I'm just going to jump in there to the fray already. I'm starving.
0: Wow. What about you, George? How are you doing? You quiet?
2: No, I'm good. I'm excited that it it seems like we may be past the last gasp of winter and fully into spring, uh, at least weather-wise, which is very exciting. And as it relates to Easter, I look forward to the... Uh, regular, uh, highly biblically informed tradition of searching for chocolate eggs produced by some random bunny. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that part.
0: And there's so many things happening that have happened this week. So many things to be grateful for. So many things to love when it comes to the Sussex, a reminder again why we are here. Um, would you like to um walk us through all the incredible things that have happened in
1: Sussex land? Sure, I can do the usual news. Why don't I so uh there's there as Lady Sussex mentioned, there's a lot that went down this week so and and all really good things. So the first of which was actually an excellent article in Rolling Stone about the, um, the fight to save the Aquavango Delta. Um, Archwell actually also participates and obviously wants to bring uh, that to light because it's a major, major push and uh, passion for Harry specifically just because he loves that place so much. But um, I think a really great summation of, um, of the overall article is actually uh, summarized here by the, art, uh, the author himself. So Jeff concludes that drilling would turn the Delta into an industrial sacrifice zone Mm -hmm. and become a poster child for our collective willingness to sack even the most sublime cathedrals of the natural world.
0: Why? Is that about the oil drilling?
1: That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you know, big, big oil is looking to drill into probably the most special place in terms of nature in the entire world so it's uh you know unfortunately more of the same it's crazy it's honestly it's upsetting um news number two uh and this is also just great props to megan as usual but she wins the top internet entertainment podcast host uh from the gracie awards so pretty pretty outstanding yes absolutely pretty outstanding so they, and this is just a quick blurb from the um, from the PR release. But today, the Gracie Awards announced that Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, uh, was the named Duchess
0: of Sussex.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Our princess is another way, but uh, was named the top entertainment podcast host for her br- groundbreaking podcast series, Archetypes. Mm-hmm. We all know and love uh, the Gracies recognize exemplary uh, programming created by women for women and about women in all facets of media and entertainment
0: isn't that incredible because what a way to end the um women month um you know celebration
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's true though i honestly think uh we, we all listened to that show and it was really truly amazing and i think nine out of ten times after finishing an episode at least one if not all of us were uh, in tears for one one reason or another, in terms of just how powerful what they were talking about uh, between Megan and her guests. Uh, my only issue with the PR release, to v- take a very small issue, is the idea that it is um, only for women. Because I actually think the Archetypes podcast is very important for men everywhere to I listen to. I agree that. I'll take And t- yeah. and, uh, and it should be actually something that we try to advocate more for. That it's actually something that should be listened to by everybody. Absolutely,
0: absolutely, and I do think there was a lot of men that were sort of you know listening and write about it as well. So it had had a huge um, audience. In fairness, it was
1: it was the number one podcast for since while it was on, it it was it was it was pretty amazing. So, and just uh, one other little blurb, just so I can. the entire thing out but the award actually honors outstanding original content that both entertains and informs uh highly engaging and author they thought was very authentic so i thought that was a pretty nice summation in terms of what the the gracie said of the podcast uh finally uh well not finally actually there's, there's a little bit more left but uh the next is actually the archwald foundation actually joins two beloved organizations to aid in healing turkey and syria Mm-hmm. So it's again one of the big things that Archwell was really put forward to is yeah. just the terrible, terrible earthquake that happened uh, in both Turkey and Syria, and so the two organizations we all know well and love—it's um, World Central Kitchen. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about Andreas, and he's. Amazing in just everything that he does. So basically the deal is, is that he cooks the food and makes sure that everybody basically surviving this apocalypse basically has some sort of food, which is just amazing. It goes into the worst possible places at a moment's notice. And then another organization I was not familiar with is actually called Humanity Crews. And what they do is is mm, they're all about mental health. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that these same people, not actually just those who are affected by it, but also the support and aid workers who actually go into these uh, these situations and actually help out. Because all of them basically have mental struggles with what's going on because it's just terrible.
0: Well, I will say, I mean, you're right, because sometimes when you sort of living in a bubble and you have no idea what's going on with other people, Um, And then you walked in and it could be a shock to the system to actually really see what's going on and what that possibly even do to your own mental health. So I completely understand that.
1: Yeah. I mean, one morning you're making pancakes and the next you're basically, you know, helping people get out of a pile of rubble. It's pretty intense and pretty shocking for sure. Uh, And they need all the help they can get. I just can't, you know, I can't express how thankful I am for those people who are willing to go do that for people because it's uh, it's truly amazing. Absolutely. Uh, another uh, quick one, actually, is Harvest Home. We've mentioned oh, it now yes. several times. They've been doing some fantastic things. We all know well and love them. Mm. Uh, but a quick announcement about it is the fact that um, as a result of Megan's Participation and mm-hmm. su- and basically support to go there and actually kind of help out for International Women's Day. Um, it helped actually publicize the Amazon link that we actually had on our show ourselves. Uh, and apparently, the donations are so out of hand that they've basically blown out a conference room and they're completely uh-huh. overwhelmed. So, thanks everyone for the response and uh, the donations that they've received. Um, they fully and wholeheartedly welcome them uh, and appreciate them. So, I, again, just I uh, don't know, maybe so
0: it just me being a little bit bias. I think a lot of it had to do with um Baron, uh, really from Royal Sussex. I it it he he did an incredible job. He did um donation himself and push it and it's I'm just being biased. I'm sure millions of other people that has nothing to do with him, but I just feel like for whatever the reason, once he put his name on something as well, it just goes
1: well he has a pretty big platform so i think you're i think you're probably right um and then also just generally the you know the squaddies writ large yeah, right i think i think absolutely. all the squaddies had done a fantastic job absolutely so i was
2: sure you were gonna say that the the reason for the success was because of the chanel bag <laughs> the, i think the
0: chanel bag is from what i understand is a bit expensive i don't know if i can afford that right now you know
1: yeah it's you a, know a, that
0: that's what? cool money right here
1: yeah, the, the Chadelle doesn't drop anything it's, it's a PhD below five bills, money. so sure.
0: So, I don't know.
1: And then finally, one last little piece, um, and this is what everybody's kind of on the tip of their minds anyway, is Harry's court case.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: he walked up on Monday, basically to court, completely unannounced, and stole the show.
0: What and like the bus he is.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. So, that was real cool to see, and then also just to see everyone's collective gasp as they... Sorry, I, I'm sure what, so
0: I'm show up. I think what was incredible about it, and I actually hear um, the uh, God, the celebrity um, women talk about it. It was that I think he, he, him being there was incredible because it brings a lot of eyes on what was going on that probably would have gone unnoticed in terms of the media. They probably would not have to re- report it because, you know, why should they? Right? It's against them. So I don't think they would've, there would have been a lot of report. And, and I feel like he kind of knew that. I mean, for someone that was supposed to be not popular, right? The, the news went all over the world in a matter of seconds. Well, they now, didn't know what to do with that. They had no idea what to say. I mean, it was just shocking. And not only one day, he was there, I'm, I believe for two days.
2: Yeah, not even, uh, not only um, just suits, with what Megan did in uh, in her career, but now also this with Harry, the two of them have, it's win, uh, win, a prof- win. have a profound ability to make legal battles very interesting and in the popular eye for broad audiences, uh-huh. which is, especially given what this case is about, is particularly important. Absolutely, And I got to say, on that note, actually I did see the some of the clips of him walking in and of course saw the one reporter deliberately bump into him and I was just like, wow. Coming off of, again, listening to... Uh, spare when we mm-hmm. were coming back from Canada and just hearing about how that, what that was like for him growing up. And now to see how collected and calm and cool he was to handle that type of nonsense, that it's still happening even after all of that has been put out there in the public, that they're still doing that. But to see how well he handled it, it was just very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then what else?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that basically kind of concludes all the wonderful things that, uh, That we wanted to highlight this week, anyway. So
0: there's there's a huge news, you know, a very on Baron Royal Sussex just hate thirty two thousand people. My God, Baron! Wow, am I screaming too loud? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. This is this is this is celebration. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's impressive is what it it is. Like it's, I was like, I was screaming, like literally I was, and I'm still screaming. (laughs) Because I feel like it's not just him. It's all of us, right? It's, 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 it's not just happening for him. It's happening for every, each one of us. It is a testament to the work that he's doing, the amazing, the responsibility of it all and the fact that you know what we all trust him to do this work and he do it really 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 well and so for me it's just that that kind of reward and people are listening and pay attention and want to move us forward that is that is like oh my god
2: yeah, the, what it's it means to be, to build a community like that, and what it means to be a part of a community that's actually really working Go to on. make the world a better place. And, I know. And so engaged with each other and supportive of each other. It's really amazing oh, to see. Yeah. Not something you see every day. Yeah,
0: like, like it's win, win, win. It's not just when it's the sus- It's like the name Sussex is winning. <laughs> Let me put it this way. <laughs> and that's why everyone wants to attach themselves to it, right? Good or bad, they try to attach because it's we win
1: well it's it's noteworthy everyone you know everyone's eyebrows raise like you said for good or bad so it provokes a reaction and that's what people are looking for exactly and at the end of the day and i'll just say for my own sake um you know definitely congrats baron you certainly deserve it and certainly building something from the ground up is incredibly you know
0: oh my god wow well we (laughs) honestly even us being here oh my god yeah. So. Hey. Well,
2: yeah. To that point, actually, we <laughs> we are still in awe every time we yeah. open it up and look at it and see that we are now past 2,000 I subscribers. I know. And, it's
0: like how did that happen?
2: <laughs> and and honestly, again, we we've said this a couple times, and we and we oh promise to make it a regular part of the service to just call out a few, at least a few of the comments that we get because they really are. Amazing! They really right. do make mm-hmm. this whole thing possible um, to have that support because it's, you know, it's a long week. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly not easy to do. To that point, we never can understand how Baron is able to do this day in Every and day Every day. Out. Oh, my God. Um, but for that reason, actually, we just want to highlight a few, just a few uh, of the comments because we can't, <laughs> for all the comments that we love, we'd take up hours and hours of a show. So we'll just pick a, a handful. Um, so for today, there's two comments and then uh, a few shout outs. Uh, the first comment, uh, that we wanted to just highlight cause it helps uh, and to take a step back. Actually, the reason why some of these comments that we want to call out specifically is because we love to see how this conversation that we have, this service that we have every Sunday helps to... Just promote more conversation, to promote more questions, to, to continue. Because that's really what it's about. It's about asking the questions and, and having those conversations happen. Uh, so the first one is from Adrian Burroughs, who in response to last week's service uh, said, Charles will never have the same monarchy as Elizabeth as far as the generation difference. If Charles comes out and helps the people, something none of the other as ha- royals have done other than Harry, I think people would give second thought. Not only that, it's time to downsize the media, allow his sons to share the thoughts of mona- modernizing the monarchy. And after all of this, after all, it's baby boomers against millennials. The monarchy will not survive staying traditional.
0: Amen. And I think we're going to get into that uh, later on in the show, too.
2: Exactly. How fitting. And another one to to just call out is from uh, Nelly Aldiosa who wrote in again in in response to last week's uh, service, Um, my questions are these. If they really are, being the royal family, if they really are the chosen family, their acts should follow what God is telling them to do. They should have the church people as advisors. Um, So (laughs) why they seem to go to the firm more than they seem to go to the church or the archbishop. To me, it appears that from the start, all their actions are ways that are not from the Lord. From the start of their rule as a family, it's nothing but squabbles, jealousy, cheating, and everything about money, lust, etc. Where is God in their life?
0: Wow, that's so good.
2: And the final thing we want to do just in this section is because, we, as we said, there's just so many that are really amazing for us is just to give a special thanks to some of the regular commenters and and in particular those who have been uh, supporting us from the very beginning when back when we had just a few followers and few subscribers and uh still figuring out how to do what we were doing um so just just some shout outs very quickly uh dale Beeve, mm-hmm. lydia washington yeah isai bodua the the famous cookies and cream Dory Wiley, Uh Dolores Sims, Dolores Williams, Sylvia Dixon, Ingrid Soares, Connie Balmer, Guillain Monastema, and so, so, so many more. Thank you all so much, especially, especially, especially all of uh, you who have been listening and supporting from the very beginning. We really can't say enough uh, how much that means to us. There
0: is somebody that you're missing in the group.
2: I know. I'm missing so many. There's, the list is, goes on and on. Churchinelli. Churchinelli. Mm-hmm. Church and Ellie, please forgive me. That's right.
0: <laughs> she was there when we were like only maybe like two hundred or three hundred. That was the first time. Exactly. Like she left a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. been
2: she's been supporting from the very beginning. There's a few yeah. people that have been there from the very beginning, and it's one of those things that helps refuel and help know. helps the whole thing keep going.
1: I know the OG.
2: <sighs>
0: oh my goodness! So should we get the service started?
2: Very quickly, we will. But you know what we have to do. That's right. We have to just do a quick disclaimer. Again, this Sussex Sunday church service is not evangelical. We're not trying to convince anyone to change their religion, to change their beliefs, change their spirituality. What we are here to do is to share what we hold to be true, what we believe in. And part of that is about asking questions, pausing, thinking about the words that we use, the words the media uses, think about what's really happening in the world today and to do it in a way that is both prayerful and with a spirit of gratitude and with a spirit of service uh, so that hopefully we all together we can make the world a better place. And that's what this is about. Uh, and so hopefully you guys get that. Well say hallelujah, thank you, God. Let's get the
0: service started. Don't be afraid, we are society. Built on love, built on challenge. Built on love each other, acceptance. Give them love. Give them love. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter
1: what you believe, but just believe in love. I'm talking to Philly. I'm talking to London. I'm talking to DC, Arab, And we can always be together. And we can always give love. And we want
3: you in
0: as long as you bring love. Okay, guys. Girls, Sussex so Squad Nation, um I have three incredible words for you guys this time around.
2: Very excited for these words. Are you sure?
0: Are you guys ready? Sussex so Squad Nation, are you ready for the words for the service this Palm Sunday? They are quite interesting ones. Well, the words are image, erase, grift. So, Charles, we're going to start with you. How should we look at those words? What do they mean? What are the meaning specifically image?
1: Sure. So let me just give a quick Background in terms of what each one of these words are and then obviously get through kind of the proper definitions of them. So image specifically is at li- actually Latin. Um, it actually has a root that is called imagine. imagine. Uh, mm, it's the representation. It means reflection. It means apparition. It means semblance. It means copy. It actually comes from ima, which is I-M-A. And it's probably the stem from otherwise kind of an unattested verb, kind of Imari, which is the same base as... Uh, And it's basically to follow as a pattern or copy. So that's actually kind of the root. It's basically Latin, and it comes from basically kind of to copy something. Mm -hmm. So now, interestingly enough, um, from a noun perspective, um, it's something that everyone's usual and kind of understood. It's basically a visual representation of something. So such as a likeness of an object produced by a photographic material. So that's just what you think an image is. But however, what gets really interesting is when you start looking at some of the other forms of the word. So for instance, the transitive verb. Mm. From that perspective, it actually means to represent symbolically, which I think is something we'll certainly get into later.
0: Wow. Do you have something, George?
2: Yes, I do. And I think uh, it's a fitting word in particular for our service, Uh, as everyone who's been listening knows and and as listeners, uh, new listeners may not know yet, is that this service, a big emphasis on words specifically and what they mean and how important they are. And there's a phrase that everyone knows uh, is that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so if that's the case, then images and pictures and the understanding of that is something that is certainly going to be important for us to dive into. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have actually two things. That that uh, come from looking a little bit into image uh, uh, in another way, uh, and one of these is actually a book that I would love to have the time to fully read. Uh, it's Images of Power and the Power of Images mm-hmm. by Judith, uh, edited by Judith Kapfer. Um And so, what I'll do is I'll just read a descript- the description that they provide for the book at a high level, and then also an excerpt from chapter one. I highly recommend that book. It's a very, it's a very, very good book. And so the the book description is, is as follows. It says, Real places and events are constructed and used to symbolize abstract formulations of power and authority in politics, corporate practice, the arts, religion, and community. By analyzing the aesthetics of public space in contexts both mundane and remarkable... The contributors examine the social relationship between public and private activities that impart meaning to groups of people beyond their individual or local circumstances. And to get into the the excerpt from chapter one, she writes, Symbols of power in diverse areas of public life surround us, from insignificant street signs and little-known corners to grand monuments and and great buildings. Concrete expressions of abstract conceptions, Churches for religion, seats of parliament, seats of government, such as parliament, railway stations for transport policy, shopping malls for commerce, or news vendors for mass media, for instance, are all regularly translated from these solidities into ideas. Mm -hmm. For the most part, unthinkingly, images of control and ownership of public space in everyday matters have great significance in the conduct of human affairs, social, political, and cultural, and they dominate our generally accepted beliefs in the order of things. Hmm interesting and so for me, I think there's a lot in that. I think there's this idea one of the ideas is just how the images impart meaning in our lives because they are often just accepted unthinkingly That's they're right. they uh, they they present the de facto understanding, whether it's something as simple as a how do you travel down the road to who is in charge of the country uh, all of the the ways that that's visually represented that's is right. is setting the default way in which we operate in the world
0: yeah <clears throat> whether it's politics whether it's fashion image so supposedly it's everything right even the symbol of each time most of uh, like the royal i suppose the president if you're traveling to a country that you wear the color you know um, that flag or the country we present. And if you don't, it's almost like a sign of disrespect, right? It doesn't matter how you feel about the country. Like whether if you travel in the Middle East, most women, they must wear a veil, you know? So it's, yeah.
2: Exactly. And I think that the, the to, to go back to what Charles was saying before, one of the things that's really interesting about it when you look at uh, the the word image is that how it is, frequently used in the context of, uh, symbols. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in this book, they read about the symbols of power and in, and in another, um, uh, place as well, uh, from an institute called the Innovative Resources Institute, uh, put forward this idea of the power of symbols. Uh, and this idea being that symbols evoke profound emotions and memories at the very primal level of our being, often without making rational or conscious connections. They fuel our imagination. Symbols enable us to access aspects of our existence that cannot be accessed in any other way. Mm. Powerful. And so again, that that's powerful. thats the thing where it's so important to pause and think about it because the exact idea of it, why it is so powerful, is because it is so frequently not thought about. It that's is is—it right. is just accepted. That's right. And it makes a difference to, to actually stop and say, wow, this is... This is an idea. This is something that's actually potentially tapping into a part of me that I can't access any other way that I don't even realize is happening in just the normal course of everyday life. And how significant that is for the way others in positions of power authority choose to create those symbols or use those symbols or create those images. The effect that that has on me as a person and on us as a society.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's what it's called. Perception is reality, right?
2: For the next
0: word, erase.
1: Indeed, erase. So just interestingly enough, it was first used in 1605. One would thought it would actually be a little bit older than that, but no, yet it's still Latin in its root. So it's eraris uh, is basically the, the the Latin root for it. And it's a past participle of eredere. Uh, um, and it, what iridari actually means is basically to scratch or to scrape.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So the first definition of that actually is exactly from that root. So the first definition of erase is to rub or scrape out something such as written, painted, or engraved letters, just as an example. Right. But mm-hmm. the second definition actually is quite interesting as well. It's to remove from existence. <laughs> right. It's to wipe out um, from memory, for instance, as if to erase. Um, The second definition under that actually is to nullify the effect or force, which, again, I think is also very interesting in the fact of, okay, with not only you just basically, you know, taking what's there and kind of wiping it out and saying that, okay, but actually literally removing it from existence or memory as Mm -hmm. if it never happened in the first place.
0: Wow. It, it, it is, like, so interesting in the context of everything we either been talking about, the squad's been talking about, been seen. And it is so incredible when you're really getting into the meaning of these words that we, you know, very familiar with, but not really putting too much in context. You know what I mean? It's like to erase something. Probably you think about, did you erase the movie? Did you erase the message? Or something that simple that, you know, Maybe most people don't look at that seriously. You don't really get into these words, but now all of a sudden we are facing everything that is happening. And I think that's why we have to delve in, into these words in, in realizing what's behind those words. And so what would you like to add on George?
2: I, I agree. And I think this is a word erase specifically that, um, I think People from a position of privilege, especially white people in uh, the U.S. today and, and, and probably throughout the world, uh, is is just thought of in a fairly conventional, oh, okay, I've got probably a pencil and there's an eraser on the back. If I make a mistake, I can change it. I think having done some more research and, and um, reading on this word, I think it's actually one that deserves much, much more attention. Um, there's an article that was written by Parul Segal in the New York Times, actually back in 2016. Yep. And I'll just read a, a quick, quick excer- excerpt from it. It's titled, uh, Fighting Erasure. Uh, efforts to force collective amnesia are as old as conquest. The Roman decree of damnatio memoriae, memoriae con- which is translates to condemnation of memory. Mm-hmm. Punished individuals by destroying every trace of them from the city, down to the chiseling faces off statues. It was considered a fate worse than execution. But there are subtler, everyday forms of banishing people from public life. Erasure refers to the practice of collective indifference that renders certain people in groups invisible. The word migrated out of the academy, where it alluded to the tendency of ideologies to dismiss inconvenient facts and is increasingly used to describe how inconvenient people are dismissed, their history, pain, and achievements blotted out. Compared with words like diversity and representation with their more corporate gloss, erasure is a blunt word for a blunt process. It goes beyond simplistic discussions of quotas to ask what stories are taught and told, whose suffering is recognized, whose dead are mourned, and it's a, it's a very interesting article. The only other thing I would, I would add from what he was writing about is that there's this particular skew in, in this, uh, what's happening, especially in, in the modern world where it is disproportionately affecting segments of the population, which are consistently discriminated against and marginalized Right. women, people <clears> of color. <throat> mm-hmm. There's uh, Deborah Douglas for this article was quoted and she wrote in all caps, erasure is violence, which is just a very powerful idea. And she wrote that for Ebony magazine, uh, arguing effectively that not reporting on the Holtzclaw case uh, at the time reflected a continuation of the erasure of Black women from the national conversation on race. That's right. Police brutality and the right to safety. That's right. And so, for me, I think the idea, thinking about the royal family, what's happening today, how they use images or don't use images, and this really the whole the whole setup of everyone, you know uh, who is being erased, <laughs> yeah. who, who is, whether it's actively today, people who are still alive or even as it relates to the past, the dismissal of the part that is, you know,
0: African-American, um, of, um, our princess, right. So it just tried to sort of, you know, almost erase anything that's good that she is right and constantly replacing it that you know what of vulgarity or sort of you know um protocols or you know anything that's good that they should be celebrated they should be proud of to have someone in their camp like our duchess and yet what they keep putting out there is to erase any good image that she possibly have which later on we'll talk about that's included even her sister right and when you when you think of the trolls you know the trolls you know with all their lies and all their nonsense again it's erasing the good that woman is that been living you know and sort of all her life in front of a camera since the age of nine and been doing an amazing job and yet They're unable to celebrate that. They try to erase that.
1: What I thought was actually really interesting is that it was something that I just read uh, this week, actually, is when I go back and I was actually start thinking of the colonial conquest of America's, right? So when Mm -hmm. you start talking about Cortez and basically as he starts coming in and doing his thing that the Spaniards are doing at the time, in my head, I had always kind of visualized, okay, well, you basically have these conquistadors who are coming into the South Americas and they're basically conquering the natives. And in my mind, what natives meant were basically those who basically had, you know, they had temporary civiliz- Well, they had temporary cities, they would move from place to place, they were hunter-gatherers, they're basically somebody who didn't have the sophistication of what you would assume kind of the Europeans would have, right? Uh-huh. They just kind of paint this picture, it's always been in my mind. But I read something this week that actually challenged that, and it really kind of blew my mind. That's actually completely untrue. So what it was, uh, they actually had an historical account of one of these conquistadors, and they went into a Mayan capital. And it's a long name. It starts with a T. I'd completely butcher it if I tried it, so I'm not going to, and i had read it four days ago so I know I'm not going to completely remember it but as he approached actually into this capital the account that he gave is one of astonishment mm-hmm. because what he said is that first of all this place had over 200,000 people in this one city mm-hmm. so obviously this were not hunters and gatherers this was a huge place he also remarked the fact that the there are many structures inside this city that are actually taller than anything he's ever seen Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the, 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 sheer scope and scale of it, but also what he remarked is the fact that the, the technology they had available actually even surpassed, what they were used to back in Spain and throughout Europe at the time. So the fact that they actually had much cleaner cities than he was used to, the sanit- the sanitation behind it was amazing. And then even when they start talking about, you know, how people were picking up after themselves, their use of water and aqueducts and basically all these very sophisticated technologies. And again, you know, for me anyway, that part of history was actually erased. Yeah. I just simply didn't know that they had those kinds of technology because you know the picture that was painted again was basically of these you know kind of primitive people that they were coming over and basically uh, were being taken over by the, by the Europeans and right. I just found it interesting that actually that's not the case
2: exactly yeah and I think to to go back to what what you were saying um, Lady Sussex and then and then to tie it into what you just said Charles is that there's part of it is the active erasure of inconvenient people to those in authority who are trying to retain their power today. And we can talk for days about, um, what's happened to uh, our princess. The other thing that uh, I'll just allude to now, cause we'll probably get into it more later is the inconvenient people f- who are no longer here, who are no longer with us because of what they represented or what they meant or how they, their existence and their accomplishments and their suffering, how that been contextualized, that reality, how that contextualizes the actions that are taken today. And so Absolutely. to try to erase that so that it is easier because I think that phrase inconvenient, uh, I think it's a really powerful one. Um, and I think that that is so important. These, these two words themselves incredibly important, but they are really, really important. And, uh, illuminating when they are thought about in the context of how they relate to each other. Because what we're just talking about with images, how some of it, so much of it is happening implicitly, how some of it is happening under the, under the current that it's not thought about, that it's uh, sort of de facto uh, ways of, of thinking about even connecting to these innermost parts of our uh, beings through use of images. And if those images are then functioning in a place of erasure, there's this whole part of what exactly what Charles was just talking about. Whole portions of history can be blotted out without us so much as even realizing it because it's just the way that we are wired as humans uh, and how powerful images can be. Right.
1: Yeah. Just to correct myself a little bit. So, cause I looked it up just cause I was wanted to make sure that I was being accurate. It wasn't Mayan; It was Aztec. So first and foremost, thank um, you for
0: correcting that.
1: You know, it's important. And then, the population they had estimated in as late as 1519. So that's pretty recent um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. 400,000 people. Wow. It's a big joint.
0: Wow. I guess now we'll move on to. Well,
2: before you do, I'm going to ask. You can yeah. say no, uh-huh. but I'm going to ask my, my, both Lady Sussex and, and Charles because I have a very interesting article, but it's a little bit long. Go, go about it. uh, and it's sort of tied to erasure and images and yeah um, okay cuz i think it's it, i was very excited at the title of this uh article which was um published in the journal of contemporary history uh by jeff ellie from the university of michigan uh because the title is the past under erasure question mark history memory and the contemporary uh and so it kind of got at the heart of at least in my mind, the title was like, "Okay, this is going to be exactly um, sort of what we're trying to understand better." Reading it has actually been slightly different. It's not exactly it's not exactly what I uh, had expected it to be, but it is nonetheless extremely interesting, especially in the context of understanding uh, what is going on right now in Britain. What's what's going on with uh, the use of images? the use of media, um, and what's really happening as this sort of big social change uh, takes place. So I'll just very quickly, I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can, but it is super interesting, so I hope you all uh, enjoy it. It's, again, the past under erasure. History, memory, and the contemporary. In the wider public arena of historical representation, in the public sphere, where ideas and images about the past are produced, mediated, reworked, fought over, fashioned into ideology, and put into collective circulation, where the pastness of a society's presence can either be unsettled or secured, the times since the 1960s have seen a series of transformations in both the infrastructure and modalities of publicness. Quote unquote. In that larger-than-personal or individuated range of contexts, we become increasingly bombarded with all manner of citations to history and appeals to the past. These days, for example, it is impossible not to be impressed by the salience of all forms of public memory work, remembrance, and commemoration. think, for example, as an aside, what's about to happen in a short number of days? I don't know, what's our count now? 30-something days? So public uh, commemoration. Gathering pace in the 1980s, The interest in such matters burgeoned, country by country, into a veritable, quote-unquote, boom in memory. Its presence has become palpable, an inescapable feature of the landscape of ideas for anyone interested in grasping the dynamics of social change at the turn of the new century.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: In one dimension, this becomes a nostalgia for the present, In Frederick Jameson's notation, that bespeaks an anxiety about the loss of bearings, a response to the speed and extent of change, for which the narrating and visualizing of the present as history promises a surrogate architecture of continuity. Representations of the past, personal and collective, private and public, commercial and uplifting, become both therapy and distraction, a source of familiarity and predictability, even as the actual ground of the present ceases to be reliable, such nostalgia spells the desire for holding on to the familiar, for fixing and retaining the lineaments of worlds disconcertingly in motion, of landmarks that are disappearing and securities that are unsettled. Wow! And so, for that me, is incredible. yeah, I it's that is incredible, super, super interesting. I, mean, I think it
0: just so well fitting.
2: Yeah, the the it for me it amplified the importance of understanding the rest of those words, because there is, uh, as the author put this increasing pace of not just of media, which we've talked about in the past of the the media that comprises our lives, how we understand the world, but in that appeals to the past and sort of references and even just the, the representation of modern life through the framework of history. So that it's this sort of, uh, familiar, uh, understanding, familiar way of perceiving information, um, because the world today is changing so fast that everyone feels disoriented. Everyone is kind of the the ground is moving faster than we are able to keep up with it. And so Absolutely. That makes the use of images today and the potential harmful use of images for the in the context of erasure that much more important to be on the watch out for because it is often guised in this framework of oh, this is something that is help, helping to pr- preserve a sense of continuity and familiarity. Uh, and so it can feel like it's something that's, uh, oh, actually a good thing because it feels familiar when actually it's truly uh, insidious in, in terms of what it's actually trying to do. Right, right. What, yeah. What are so, something that's, that?
1: yeah, something that's actually very interesting just to that point is what's going on here in the States about the book bans. Because uh-huh. it's pervasive, right? Because what they're trying to do is is that, and actually Stephen King actually put it really interestingly, um, what they're trying to do actually is t- trying to erase ideas is what they're trying to do. And this is something that's of serious concern to everybody because it's you know while it's erasing history, it's erasing basically people's past and it's erasing people's experiences. It's really erasing people's perspective right. just in terms of what it is that they actually can experience and then actually change and shape their opinion and their personality. And they're getting rid of it and it's not happening in one place, but it's happening all across America today. Today it's happening everywhere. There was literally a, I forget which, um, state it was actually, but they tried to pass a law to actually defund libraries writ large all of them it's crazy
0: that is insane
1: and the reason why is because they can't ban enough books
0: that is insane
1: they literally can't ban enough books in order to make an appreciable difference so what they want to do is they basically want to actually like shut them down completely so Uh-oh. people just simply don't have access to them and it's terrifying it is crazy How crazy crazy
0: should we be prepared for the next hundred 200 years if we miss our history if our history who we are I are being erased I I don't get the strategy unless the big booms going to happen and we don't know about it
2: I don't get it well I think that's exactly because
0: the point. we need this information
2: that's exactly the point they're trying to incapacitate large segments of the population to not be able to to be effective to understand really what's going on. It's a system of control. And I think to that point, what what makes me think of to, to what Charles was just saying, how incredibly important it is the work that Barron, Facts and Two Cents, all of these... Ivy, 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 Ivy. Well, that's exactly Ivy, what I was going to say. Especially mm-hmm. Ivy. Especially Ivy, because of mm-hmm. that idea that it's, to what Charles was just saying, it's not just facts or people or histories. It's the actual ideas and perspectives and how to even think. And so Ivy's show in particular is just so important to preserving reality and a, and a grounding of alternate perspectives when so much of mass media is used to actually fundamentally erase all other forms of the narrative.
0: Wow, as I say again, is a scary time, and this is bigger than Harry and Meghan, and we need to continue speaking out on these things because this is our future. This is our future It's our kids' future that we, any one of us, we don't have kids yet, and my hope is that one day we will. And if what would what would that be? What what kind of future that are we preparing? For our unborn child, oh, it's and t- the ones that are here—my nieces, my nephews—yeah,
1: it is scary. It is absolutely terrifying. It
0: is scary. So we move on to grift.
1: That's right, grifters. So again, uh, this one I suspected to be not as old as uh, as some of the others, and I was not disappointed whatsoever. It was actually first used uh, in 1902. Okay, um, it is a noun, and actually, it was an alliteration from graft because everyone basically was familiar with graft at the time. Um, so, it's just a, diver- a, a derivation of that. So, but the first and really only definition of it is uh, to obtain money or property illicitly. <laughs> That's what it is.
0: I'm sure as soon you say that all the squads are over the world, something is ringing in ears right now. The money case. <laughs> I'm
1: so sorry. Uh, among other things. But, yes, you have that. But it's basically, you know, get it, getting cashola illegally. That's what it is. As in like a confidence game, as in a scam embezzlement, all these things. That's grift for you, baby.
2: Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's funny cause it's, it's a word that maybe is not as history, but it, the practice of it has been in around for a long time. Um, there's an interesting article from Columbia journalism review. It says where mi- grift meets graft. So that exact idea of what you're talking about, where the word even comes from. Uh, and, and they, Go on in terms of the use of it because it starts from a, an article that had been published about the arrest of Steve Bannon when the headline that ran was Steve Bannon's Art of the Grift, uh, even though the word grift didn't actually appear in the editorial. Right. And then right, there's right. another article that they called out of the New York Post about uh, a serial grifter, which was a woman who was accused of squatting in people's apartments. The thing is what they what they bring up in the, in the uh, Columbia Journalism Reviews, perspective is that these varied incidents show that it's actually a fairly broad category in terms of what the word means, but what it amounts to is a crime of theft generally. And to exactly what you said, Charles through a sense of a con, a swindle, something that's more sophisticated than simply grabbing a chain off of someone's neck. As Merriam Webster says, grift was born in the Argo of the underworld, a a realm in which a grifter might be a pickpocket, a crooked gambler, or a confidence man, any criminal who relied on skill and wits rather than physical violence yeah and um, just thinking is I'm, I'm going to not give away the the the, the, pl- the, the punchline because I know you're very. <laughs> if you all can't tell, ladies, Essex is very excited about. Not excited, but just bemused. Perhaps, no, she's absolutely word. excited. Uh, she's been <laughs> looking
1: forward to, to talking about this for a long time this week.
2: So I won't give away the punchline, but the the only other thing I'll add is, the, is an article called uh, Grifting in the 18th Century. The grift remains the same. It's from JSTOR. Uh, and it says, uh, when Anna Delvey was arrested in 2017, the question many ask wasn't why was she pretending to be a German socialite heiress, but how she got away with it. Uh, and then I won't read the whole rest of the article cause we've been bemoaning the words for, for a bit. But basically what goes into this, this article is, uh, how Anna Delvey, as well as George Salmanazar, uh, who had previously done it in back in the 1700s. Um, how did they get away with it? How did, what was the mechanics of actually doing that to, to pretend to be someone that you're not as a part of a con to grift? Um, And so the two things that come away just for us to think about as we go through the conversation today is, is part of the success of that hinges on a lack of readily available information about that person or thing specifically. And I think from people listening to the last few episodes and who we ask why there's not enough coverage of, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. And also to make that success, they end up leveraging other figures of authority to, to, to bring about and and amplify their own credibility through that other figure of authority to, to give themselves a sense of credence why they should be believed. You're so, talking
0: about the woman that, you know, we really sort of still try to figure out who she is,
2: who they, her kids are. And yeah, so exactly. pretty much, yeah. Exactly. Sense. So the, the success of grifters in the past, part of it is on the use of other figures of authority, whether it's the church in the case of George Salmanazar who had the, the, I think it was the Pope actually going and singing his praises. It ends up, when you combine that with a lack of other information that's available, it makes it very easy for people to be conned into thinking that, believing that someone is who they claim to be even when they're not. So when we think about today's landscape, the lack of information as well as the figures of authority who are lending credence, uh, it's something we should have in mind when we consider what's happening
0: it's scary it's scary so do you would you like to add some more
1: no i think it's uh you know i think george summed it up fairly well it is a practice that has been going on forever so i think it's just we need to keep in mind that this isn't a new concept but it changes and evolves over time.
2: Oh, w- one gosh. other, th- just final thought for everyone to think about, uh, to, to not let the, the word go un- unconsidered, is that the grift specifically is theft uh, without violence. And so, again, combining it with the previous two words of the use of images as a power to tap into parts of us that we can't otherwise access to potentially erase inconvenient individuals or histories, uh, to then potentially steal things without physical violence, but it is uh, as um, that uh, writer had put, it's a different form of violence. Thank you, thank you so much. And I mean, I mean,
0: and that led me to why we wanted to look at those words. I wanted to have a, a sense of what the meaning, in order to at least for myself here, and for us to better explain what we are seeing here and how should we look at the image of this woman that is Queen Consort and that about to, well, I'm assuming throne, right? And how many days?
1: It's counting down. It is counting down. I think something like around 33.
0: So they are not trying to portray an image to us. How should we look at that? And what do they mean? So how should we look at those words? How how should we, you know, incorporate these words based on what it is that, you know, what we are seeing that they are doing? When you think of the clothing aspect of things right i mean we just one of the things that I, I quickly noticed very recently that she will wear bright colors i don't know if the squads noticed that but i i take on notice that she's wearing very bright colors and that is something that should used to be affiliate to the majesty the queen right and so You started thinking the reason why they said that the queen used to want to wear, you know, bright colors so you can see her. So, so is she stepping up now? She want people to see her. The second thing is, it's one that I'm really having a problem with. Like, I I mean... I could really honestly tell you guys, I did not expect to hear it when I hear that word. And it's almost like a trigger point. Like, I, you know, up to that point, you hear certain things that trigger you and whatever. And sometimes I kind of know what that is. But I did not expect when I hear this word that it was going to trigger me the way because I don't even understand. And I'm still trying to figure out what is it about that word majesty that they were referring her as majesty that triggered me in a in a really not so good way how should we look at now the changing the erasing of her being a mistress
2: to majesty that's a super interesting idea actually because i had not been thinking about I had always been thus far through this conversation and and getting ready for today's service was thinking about erasing other people, but not hadn't been thinking about the idea of erasing a past version of oneself. That's right. From the public memory. And so I think that's super interesting to think about of what, to your point, if she's starting to suddenly wear much more colors and starting to be referred to by a a word that has a lot of meaning incorporated into it what does that signify what are they trying to do with that and i think the to tie it to the beginning of what you said how important is it to think about the fact that that is happening now specifically now 30 something days out that's right from the coronation to me that was just
0: it was like i i it, i'm still trying, and i hope the squads, please if you can think why i may be feeling the way I was feeling, please you know b- bring on the comments because it's it's I was not prepared for it. I wasn't really prepared to hear that in the context that I was hearing it. Would you like to add on that, um Charles?
1: No, I mean, I can completely understand where you're coming from. I mean at the end of the day, um there's a lot of you know I think we've talked at nauseum about and the meanings of words. And majesty has deep meaning, you know, it's, it's almost religious in the aspect of, you know, Britain, it is religious, That's right. quite literally. Um, and so the jump from mistress to majesty, although just a few letters, the meaning is enormous and I can completely understand why it feels so jarring. And then, and that's just simply kind of when you look at the textbook definitions between those two things. I think the even larger jump is when you start, you know, um, getting the context behind those words, and you start thinking, okay, well, when we refer to her Majesty, um, you know, we think of Elizabeth. You think of that's right, and and everything that she embodied, because that's basically until now basically the only person that we could actually attach to that particular word, just given kind of her profile and so forth, right. And she just did the job so well. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, she literally, and we talked about this just last week, she embodied what that meant.
0: And she also come from a line of, you know, royal, so to speak. Right? I mean, it was like to recent memory that the queen herself didn't want to have anything to do with this woman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, she, she there was credibility there. I, get, I think is what you're coming from right and this lady um has no credibility she just doesn't she 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 comes um into a place nothing that
0: that we can see of course we must say that you know like well no i mean but 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 to to your
1: point i mean when you start thinking of majesty what that actually means and again getting back to what the word meant and kind of our context behind it Mm -hmm. is something who is regal it's something that actually who comes with the receipts in terms of how she got there in the first place correct and everything that 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 means there's a lot of baggage there and baggage doesn't have to be a bad thing it could also be a good thing there's just a lot of packed into what that is and Everything that Elizabeth did in life, in order to kind of live up to that to that title, mm-hmm. um, we have not seen the same. That's right. And so, when you start thinking about okay, well, how that transition actually works, you have to put in the work to get the deed, right? Amen. So, and she has not yet put in that work, and so. When she basically, and again, I think, you know, there's a lot of meaning in terms of, okay, well, erasure, grift. And what is grift is basically getting things not through violence. And then all these other things, there's reasons why we've chosen those words. Um, And they all kind of embody that. And so, of course, it's going to leave a particular distaste in your mouth.
0: Absolutely. And there's another one. I mean, the whole Diana, using Diana, designer. What is the symbol of that? If it's the truth, as it's been reported that, you know, she's choosing one of Diana's favorite designer that she has worn more than one time, not just, okay, you know, in passing, but if it's true that she's using, it's been reported the dress she may wear for the coronation will be designed by a designer, which we all come to know and have seen Diana close, have worn that. What is the meaning? What is, what is that supposed to mean? What is it to try to achieve? It's not like there's not millions of other designers that could have, you know, sort of do something really. There, there's, some, there's a symbol here.
2: Yeah, I think it's meant to replace and erase Diana. And I think that's exactly what's so scary about it. Uh, the fact that it's, since it's so closely tied to the visual so That's closely right. tied to the image, image that is being correct. portrayed, that it's an erasure that can happen without even really being noticed, and not, and not to mention the the there's the reality of the how it's conceived in our collective consciousness, but there's also the practical uh, erasure that takes place. Even just thinking about when you Google, when you search for that designer, you if the more recent thing is how that person interacted with. Camilla? That's right. That's gonna push down the history of course off the front page of that person's work with Diana. And so it in effect is both the symbolic and sort of subconscious erasure as well as a practical one. It's
0: almost like I feel like she or they want either one try to erase Diana or two almost the association of rubbing, you know, your shoulder. To her to, to get the lightness mm, yeah, mm-hmm. of, of Diana. Do you mm-hmm. understand what I mean? Yeah. Because now she's wearing colors that used to be the queen. Mm-hmm. So when you see her now, you think of the queen.
2: Mm-hmm. The association. The idea, the idea of the grifter needing to, to take credibility from some other figure of authority. So absolutely. Using the same one,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's not just the clothes one of the things that was really actually really upsetting to me and to many people it was when they announced where they will visit first where they will first go which is was france paris it was to me it wasn't just just shocking and considerate to many of the diana supporters to the world to king charles sons this is where the mother lost her life and your first visit as king this is the place you have chose to go with the woman more likely we don't know that probably
1: contributing to her death Make that make sense to me. Something I've been thinking about while we're having this conversation is this is, this does not seem accidental. So, and I say that because it's obvious, but I say that more than because it's obvious. Because when you start thinking about it, perhaps she just wants to wear bright colors. Perhaps she does want to be seen as the queen, right? So it's possible. Someone could go out there and make that conscious decision. They associate bright colors with the queen. I'm going to be of similar similar status, so I want to go and try and steal her spotlight. So I'm going to wear bright colors too. Okay, that's fine. That's one thing that you're going to go do, and then that's kind of the the route you choose to go. But for me, it's the compounding effect of doing all of these things that I find so interesting is that it's – Seems very premeditated for nefarious means. You know what I mean? It's literally like that's it's intentional. Like they go through the fact of you know between what she wears to Diana, where they choose to go, the colors that she's wearing, how she wants to be referred to. Like all these things added up, and it just seems that there's image. Well, that's exactly. It goes back to that image, but it also goes back about how carefully crafted this whole thing is and how choreographed the whole thing is like even the times at which these things happen and all this other stuff. And you start really thinking about the fact that, you know what, it's not the fact that they're trying to promote this woman as being something. It's the fact that they're trying to literally almost fake it. Like to your point about what grift is about is about trying to steal something that's not theirs in order to kind of again be bigger than yourself is using all these means of of um, propaganda almost in order to insert herself as something that she's really not and it's um, you know again it just gets back to to this idea of grift that I think is just so insidious is about it's it's truly this um, enwrapped. Um, I don't want to call it a conspiracy, but concerted effort to do it, um, and it just uh, it just makes it all the more brazen and all the more kind of suspicious.
0: To your point, I mean, even the second place which they choose, which is Germany, I mean, if you think of Germany white this minute, you think the fact is that you know you have the Invictus Game that Germany is so looking forward to. Now, the question I have for you guys, is it the reason why they choose Germany? Because they know the way Germany is preparing for the Invictus game and how right before the passing of the Queen, how Germany itself received almost like world red carpet. I mean, not that almost, they did world red carpet for Harry and Meghan. The love that they have. Is it in a way to say, okay, we go going there second. So we can say we're there first before them. Or how should I look at it? Maybe scared. If they go after, because then people going to look at it and say, well, you know, look at the noise that they make. <clears throat> and then you're supposed to be the king. And then, you know, it's not the same response. Because. In my opinion, they still didn't have the kind of welcome that I saw Harry and Megan both have. In fact, they even sent a plane for them. As far as I'm concerned, I saw them rolling in to a train station. And when I was looking at the report, I don't know that to be the truth, but what has appeared to me, it's almost like given the crowd that was there, feel manufactured it feel as though that they hold the train station from people going in and those people were the public i'm just speculating here i'm just you know not speculating but i'm just you know it's my opinion it's not i don't know that to be the truth but that's what it feels like you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, to even the dress that woman wear. I'm not one to talk about another woman' dress, she how you choose to dress. But I feel like they call—I believe they call it—you know—the Medusa dress, because everything that was in the dress feel like snake. Like I feel like everything is made to be for a statement, to a point that you know, there's even speculation about a way that she's holding her fingers that may be symbolized of something we don't know what that is i don't know what that if it's a sign if it's not i don't know but in the world of theater, people are just questioning is it a sign what is that supposed to be mean it's just all these things happening how should we even look at the fact that this woman is not just you know using diana designer but it's also even Diana's passion, the love that she had for ballet. The last I know of this woman, she loved horses. What could have been something about horse? Diana is have one of the most famous photo of her with the ballerina all around her. And there's a woman, there, there's a almost very similar picture with that woman with a bunch of dancers, ballerina dancers
2: as well. I think that's exactly to, to what both of you have just said. I think it's one of those cases where there's just too many coincidences to, uh, believe that it is not something more coordinated, more orchestrated and more deliberate. And where my head goes to is that to these questions that are so important to ask, none of the three of us here, are the experts or have the answers, No, but what we know, the one thing we know is that there is this reality of how powerful images are and the fact that they have historically been used for erasure and the fact that it is something that we don't even fully understand the mechanics of how it manifests itself in our psyches, in our collective awareness, in our collective consciousness, that that is something that really needs more attention. I mean, we should find honestly. The, if there's the, any of those, the the squaddies that know the, the expert that would be able to speak on that, they should let us. We'd love to bring them on to have them talk about that because it is so is, important. The
0: part is that you know, sort of concerning, it's just the fact is is that you know, King Charles allowing that to happen, allowing that to happen. You know, I mean, I know the squad in they all say in is the truth that. This is not a man that is known to defend anybody in his life. But the idea that, you know what, you will want to even, not even thinking for twice, maybe that's not a good place to go first. And thank God what happened in France happened. Make me wonder if the spirit of Diana was working. There's many other places this man could have started his trip. And the worst part is when Harry show up and he send message allegedly that he don't have time to see him, your son. You're about to a son of Thorn where you're supposed to be live by example. And the message is, I'm too busy to see your own child.
2: I and don't the, get it. Then the truth is the, the going back to the, the, some of the words we're focusing on today, what would it have been if he had gone and there had actually been the image of Charles with Harry together? What would that image have meant? What would that have done to public understanding, to public awareness? How would that have ca- potentially counteracted the narratives that are trying to be created by the media? The fact that there's an image of the two of them together.
0: In some ways, it probably worked for them, right? That <laughs> They didn't go um and when you move to the next thing which i think that you know what i would like for you guys to listen to this report and then i'll come back into the other side and we'll talk about it
4: I want to be on the balcony for the, the the money shot right the on the balcony they want that but they're not entitled to that because they left the royal family they left the working royal family Absolutely, that balcony is for working royals. And remember that amazing picture of our beloved late queen with Winston Churchill on VE Day? You know, she was a working member of the royal family. These guys opted out. They chose a new life on the west coast
1: of America. They can be in the Abbey, they can attend the coronation, but they absolutely cannot be on that balcony. And so the worry is, you see, that they attend, and the next day's newspapers, rather than being filled with pictures of the king with the crown going on his head and being on the balcony that the next day's papers are full of harry and Meghan complaining that they were excluded possibly because of Meghan's racial background oh. Oh. you could you know
3: you can see the fair. oh oh god
0: I, the balcony the balcony the balcony what is the story with the balcony the idea that you know they're not working royals and so therefore they would not have a stand on the balcony okay they're not working royals they're not good so now my question is camilla kids are not royals are they going to be on the balcony that is my question that is my question what role because we hear that they're going to play a role are they going to have titles too From what I understand is, is that, you know what, they all, they have securities. Well, Harry, Meghan, a Duchess, a beautiful princess, and both Princess Little Bit, Prince Archie, none of these people, based on what we know, what we've been told, besides security that they may paying for, they don't have the kind of security that they, that should have been given to them which they are fighting for. So I don't, I, don't really, I don't really get it. So I want somebody to tell me, should we not expect Camilla's kids to be on the balcony because they are not working royals? So what do you guys say about that?
1: Well, I think if the world was fair, then sure. But uh, there's nothing in that relationship or in that institution that speaks of fairness. So, or even to be perfectly honest with you, even something that makes sense, because I mean, I think you outlined the situation perfectly. I mean, you have somebody who's literally Charles' son, grew up, you know, basically it's his father and he can't even get himself to even defend the man or even physically protect him. Even when he's probably the most powerful one of the most powerful people in the world so i mean it's just the whole thing is just silly and then you just talk and start talking about it's 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 a shame it's more than silly it's just a shame and you start talking about whether or not you know camilla kids deserve to be on the balcony but camilla's grandkids are have like a huge role in the coronation itself so it's even big it's even bigger than just the balcony They're literally taking part in the actual ceremony and they're not even blood related and taking positions from people who are I, un- I I I so, really I really mean, don't understand the, the whole thing. Is just well, I mean, it 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 just goes back to what we were talking about. I mean, for a couple of weeks now, about how he's just being usurped. Charles is literally being usurped by his wife, and is being replaced. Is being you know the royal monarchy there, is being erased. That's right. In, there's so much there's about so her. Much, it's just a it's a mess.
0: Even in how to portray her, how she was seen, the the the, the people that would cover her. It was almost like her show. And we're going to get into the next piece. It's now that they're talking about that, you know, what they're shut of
2: cash. Well, before you go on, before you go on to the cash, because I know you're super excited about the cash, the the last thing to say on, on that last point is I think you're both on point with it. And it, the only thing I would r- reiterate is the title of that uh, book that we referenced at the beginning. Right. The, the one, it's The Power of Images, but the second half of it is The Images of Power. And that balcony, right. if anyone watched the documentary that we had referenced a couple weeks ago, starts with the balcony itself and what it represents, this image of power of, Mm -hmm. of uh, the Royal family and of control over Britain. And so the significance of the decision of who's going to be in that image or not is, is huge. It's, it's, it's even more important than whether or not you can see a picture of Charles with Harry when Harry comes because of the court case. It's like, it is so crucial because of what that image, what that balcony represents.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that article, can you read that article? Because I think it was just, it was a joke. It was, it was insane that they put actually print that in papers as like people are dumb and stupid.
2: Well, it's the article you're referring to if I'm, if i if I'm followed well, <clears throat> is just this, uh, it's the headline is the real terms drop in the King's income as the grant is frozen.
0: Explain to me what does that mean? Because I don't know. I don't get it. Please. Can you tell me what does that
2: mean? And, and basically this, the, the subject of it is the, the, it, the most of the articles behind a paywall, but the, the main idea is that the grant that funds the Royal family has now been, uh, can remained frozen since 2021. And so, uh, at some ridiculous tens of millions of pounds budget uh, that they're trying to cry poverty because of the effects of inflation on their huge sums of tens of millions of pounds. So it's pretty ridiculous on its face.
0: So is that how do you have something to add on before I go into the next spoon
1: gate? Um, So, no, what I was, uh, the only thing that just flashed in my mind as um, George was reading that is that supposedly Charles has the largest staff, like in recorded history of, you know. Allegedly. Yeah. He has like more than 100 people just taking care of him. And just how absolutely ridiculous it is that they have a, like, somehow they're crying poverty when. This guy has a hundred people washing his butt it's crazy
0: <laughs> and so for me when i think about them screaming about not having cash that's why i'm hearing it it lead me to this clip right here i want to share with you guys it does contain the word that just freaked me out when i hear it the word majesty but Pay attention to what's going on. Does the lack of cash explain this clip?
4: Among the 2,000 or so visitors here today having their treasures appraised, we were also delighted to welcome Her Majesty the Queen Consort in one of her last engagements as the Duchess of Cornwall. And she was keen to see our experts in action. I, I should ask, do you watch The Roadshow? Are you a fan? I've watched forever and ever and good. ever. Good. <laughs> oh, oh, good. We're glad to hear that, are yes. <laughs> well, yes. It's my Sunday evening trip. Oh, well, that's <laughs> excellent. Well, look, We're thrilled to have you here, obviously. And I know you've brought along a personal item, mm. as well as something from the Royal Collection, which is hundreds of years' worth of objects collected by the and Royal they've Family. I've usually got something that's associated with a certain region. I wanted to bring something that was associated with Cornwall. Yes. And... Of course, it doesn't exist now, but in those days, I was a silver mine mm, here mm, mm. for Wheel Duchy. Yeah, just 40 minutes away. 40 minutes away, and, and this was the result of, yeah. of Wheel Dutchy, And also, it was given to a full bear of my husband. In all my years in silver, it's the first bit of silver I've ever seen that's made out of English silver. Is it? Yes. I, I can't believe that. It's absolutely true. I'm so thrilled to I see it. I suppose we're not known for our silver, are no, we? No, no. It's, quite, it's got a nice sort of heavy feel about it, hasn't it? It's lovely. It's, in every way, it's lovely. The front piece is really difficult to make, but John Northam was a very skillful fellow and just a thrill to see it. I'm so grateful well, for Well, I'm so it. delighted that I've actually brought something that you've never seen before. Yeah. Well, we were determined to find something that was
0: associated with Cornwall. So, Charles, George, in Sussex Coordination and Supporters, how should I have
2: looked at this? Just for everyone listening, Lady Sussex is actually very composed right now because the first time she watched that video, she laughed for a good fifteen minutes, at least fifteen minutes, <laughs> With,
1: uncontrollably at that,
2: without stopping. So she's she's actually been very impressive right now.
0: Is she trying to sell the silver? silver, silver? <laughs>
1: She she literally can't. She can't even. (laughs) Just wait. Take your time. It'll come (laughs) when it needs to.
0: I'm sorry. So. Almost. It's tough from the palace. Got to start going (laughs) up. Missing. What is going on? Why is she showing up with this? I mean, this is a place that they're supposed to tell you the value uh, (laughs) and take your stuff off. Why is she coming out with one of those things? What does that mean? (laughs) Should we be afraid? (laughs) What's going to happen to the Silvers?
1: Start checking the local pawn shops. (laughs) See what's going on so at, at the thrift stores nearby.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. This is really serious. But I mean, like they complain about money and all of a sudden that, you know, they were praising or showing up in this event with a silver box. So what do you guys made of that?
1: The timing was uh, unfortunate. Let's just put it that way. You know her her courtiers, who basically have done such an excellent job at positioning her, have uh, you know may have had a bit of an oversight in terms of putting out that particular article or uh, and and her up. to be up. a
0: part of that show, yeah,
1: and and her you know well putting out the article about basically them, them right. being short of cash and then within the same week actually show her uh, you know show her what it looks like to be hawking some silverware from the.
0: Well, that was my research. I don't know when this was actually published, was it before or after, but obviously it was looking, and then I was like, what what am I looking at? What am I seeing? She's participating, taking a part of a show that's been done by BBC. And I believe it's it's the Antic Road Show. I believe that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so first of all, I don't know what she was doing there. I don't know why she was there. I don't know if it was because of the people tried to show that, but she show up with a silver. That's really from what I understand. That was her husband. It wasn't hers. It was the family jewels. So it, 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 it's, it's look weird. It looks
2: it? very weird. It's one of those things you think about, uh, the, the broader strokes, uh, picture we're trying to understand of what grift may or may not be happening in in the overall as it relates to the royal family as it relates to the throne the crown uh what's that grift that may may be happening there uh and it's it's just funny because there's every we're all human at the end of the day and there's these things that no matter how well choreographed you are how well prepared you are for your by your pr a team to get you ready to go out and portray a certain representation of something that there's always that bit of humanity that slips through, uh, that you can't hide and, uh, sort of like a truth in every jest kind of thing where when you see how certain face, uh, what's the, what's the word when your face kind of, but your facial expressions sort of betray, uh, what you're really thinking or what's, what's really happening despite what other Bright. practice you may have done. It's I just, get you. It's just funny.
0: But to a serious note, my question is, today it's Palm Sunday. How should we look at Palm Sunday? How should we look at the stories that we come to know really, you know, well, some of us better than others. How should we interpret this moment in time? How how should we look at what does the Bible tell us in this
2: moment? Well, for me thinking about Palm Sunday significance in the, uh, what was actually happening at the time, um, when it mean for the first Palm Sunday, there's two things that stand out at me, um, as it relates to the, the situation in Britain today with the Royal family and, and what's going on. One one reality is at least what's portrayed from the story as it's, as is written in the Bible is how quickly and dramatically public opinion can change from going to uh, laying palms at the f- on the ground for you to walk on to quite the opposite that 's right and and what it takes to get from point A to point B for that to be so drastic and so fast for that um, public opinion to change and The other thing that comes to mind, and we can spend some time talking about that, maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. is the fact that what it looked like for both at that time as well as throughout other other stories in in the Bible of how are figures treated by religious authorities— when they are doing the work that the religious authorities should be doing, in terms of charitable work, caring for the community, in- engaging in a positive way to support humanity generally, how are those figures treated by the the religious authorities when, because they perceive it to be some sort of challenge to their power, to the existing structure?
0: I think you can interpret it. What you try to say is, is that when you think of um, the princess the Duchess of Sussex and you think of what she representing and the hope that everyone had when she entered the House of Windsor to all of a sudden that they had to run out of UK.
1: Yeah, it's a fairly good, it's a fairly similar corollary. I mean, they're, they're pretty equivalent in that means. And it's, um, it's also interesting because there's so many instances of where that's happened. So there's so many opportunities for them to have deviated and to change course. And yet this again, it just happens again and again and again and again and again. And, you know, and how and how many times that they basically have gone up. How many court cases have have um, you know, Harry and Meghan won? How many times have they gone back and forth and actually shown the fact of of how they're being suppressed? And you just can't help but think that you know, we've seen this all before. And right. it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier about erasure and about, you know, these people just don't know their history. They these these chain of events never go well. You have to confront these things in order to actually overcome them. And if you start just going back in the past and trying to erase it and trying to relive history, guess what? The same thing's going to persist. And it's always um It's always just disheartening because it's just such an old playbook that just happens repeatedly so often. And I know, just as what um, George was talking about earlier, I mean, that same idea is actually conveyed throughout the Bible, too. So we were talking about Palm Sunday and basically how you go through and you have the religious authorities who go through, and basically they don't like the fact that they're being, you know, they're being outshone. Right, that they basically, you know, that they're seeing that people can actually do it better than they are, and that they're they're actually being uh, shown to be hypocrites. And the fact that they take objection towards it, but there's many many times in the Bible where that just happened again and again and again. When you start talking about Peter, you start talking about you know the Corinthians and Timothy and all these other things, where basically they go through and you have these instances of you know Christians being locked up because they're not doing, or basically they're being shown how to take care of people properly, whereas the prevailing authorities of the day were not, and so they were imprisoned for it. And um, you know it's something that. Um, I think we can all just need to take better stock of about... We had a conversation
0: earlier at the table and then you were talking about this particular group. What was that group you were talking about?
1: Oh, just talking about the Pharisees. Yeah, just talk about that. Yeah, well, that's basically the religious authorities of basically just going through in the Pharisees um, throughout the Bible because that's basically just meant the religious scholars of the day, right? And so those Pharisees would go through and oftentimes, I mean, they were always... The, um, the antagonist throughout the Bible, right? So as you go through and, you know, when you start talking about the New Testament, especially, you know, whenever Jesus was basically having some sort of lesson or whenever he was going through and he had a point to make, um, basically the counterpoint to what he was trying to say was almost always the Pharisees.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Love your, you know, love your brother as you love yourself, blah, 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 as you kind of go through, like, it's always just kind of goes back and just, uh, and, and the reflection is, okay, well, look, this is basically um, what you should not be doing versus how I'm teaching you how to actually correct the course. Um, and it's, it's just interesting, the polarity behind the two things about and the and the dichotomy between those two things and the fact that here we are today, here's Charles, who's going to be effectively the head of the church. Doing the exact same thing
0: so what what should we do? What do we do? I think this is when it comes to a time where we should take a break
2: should pray about it
0: and pray about it, and before we do that, Charles, please, do you have any verse that cannot that can lead us to a wonderful palm Sunday? song and it names your great name.
1: Sure. There's a good verse for that. It's our first verse for today and it's Philippians um 2:12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear, and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose.
0: Ended. and in his name we are working in his name we are here and his name we are present and his name we are going to make it all happen normally we will sort of talk about different topic but the show is just getting a bit too long so we will leave it here and thank you so much guys for joining me But before we do that, I would love for us to really take a minute and think and pray for everyone that is going through something. Can you please, George, walk us through the prayer for this Palm Sunday and who should we be praying for and lift up to the Lord?
2: Yes, of course. And I think... It's something for everyone, regardless of creed or faith or religion. Um, How important it is to pray, because it is a way to stay grounded in reality and to live in gratitude, and it makes all the difference to do that. So, with that in mind, we want to start by lifting up those who are going through An incredibly tough time now, whether it's the victims from the tornado that just happened to the communities that are facing risk of even more incredibly intense storms from a changing landscape, be there with them, support them, keep them safe. Please be with the families and the victims from just this most recent shooting, as well as all of those who have been affected by gun violence, not just in the U S but across the world. Please continue to be with the families and the communities in Turkey and in Syria, and please be with all who we can't necessarily have exactly in our mind because it's not necessarily covered one way or another in, in the headlines, but who absolutely need that help and that support. Please be there.
0: Africa, England. Katie,
2: and many more. Amen. And not only that, please, we pray for the rest of the Sussex squad, that they continue to do this most important work that they are doing. Continue to be there with the Sussexes, with Harry and Megan, Archie, Lily, Doria, all of them as they continue to live a life of faith, to live a life of service and to live a life of sacrifice for the benefit of so many others and be with them for each of the trials that they continue to face. And not only that, we also pray for those that you might not expect to hear from us, but it is the truth of that. It is so important. We pray for the rest of the Royal family. We pray for the media. We pray for all those who have been potentially misguided that they can find clarity. And just to look back at history for that clarity, for that guidance, for all of us, and especially thinking about Harry and uh, what's coming down the pipe, we look at two verses. Uh, the first is James chapter 1, 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may meet, so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and then Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 4 for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you
0: victory amen and with that we'll say happy Sunday happy Palm Sunday wherever you may be in the world I hope you guys are with family or friends or loved one and happy Palm Sunday to you both. Thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having us. It's always a pleasure. Thank And you. Thank you. <laughs> please stay safe, take care of your mental health. And at all time, those love wins. Good day. Bye. Stay worship with us.